Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going to Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 through 17. Hebrews 12, 14 through 17. Everybody say, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. I want to teach to you tonight, and I hope all of you have uh, a syllabus that I've provided for you. I want to speak to you on the subject of avoiding bitterness. Everybody say, avoiding bitterness. Hallelujah. You may be seated. When I started studying this subject and looking at all of, the, all of the things that when you say the word bitterness or bitter, there are a lot of things and a lot of assumptions that you may have about the subject of bitterness. But until you really get into doing a study and understanding about the subject of bitterness and the word bitterness. You really don't fully understand it. And many times we go through life and we battle different emotions and battle different things and we don't understand what we're fighting and what we're up against. But once you receive the knowledge from Scripture, you can better understand how to fight and what you're fighting. So the origin of bitterness, on your first line A, the origin of bitterness. Bitterness is caused by hurts or offenses. The end result of not forgiving hurts is bitterness. The development of bitterness is a, everybody say gradual, and progressive process. And and throughout study, there are four steps to bitterness. Step number one, A, is hurts. B, is anger. C, is resentment. Four, or D, is bitterness. Hurts happen and we get angry. Then come resentment toward the individual that has hurt us. And the final step, is bitterness. One thing that I've learned about bitterness in this study is bitterness will defile many. Bitterness just not only affects you as an individual, 
But it has a way of oozing out of your spirit and those around you will know that you are bitter. That's why it's so important. In, a, in an atmosphere that we have been having in this room, you may say, Pastor, we've been in a spirit of revival. We've been in a spirit. God is adding, literally adding to the church daily such as should be saved. That's when the enemy attacks you. That's when the enemy comes in and, and an old spirit will, will, will latch itself out at you and try to connect itself to you. And, and bitter fee feelings, we get hurt, we get anger, we, there's resentment. And then the end result is bitterness. But Hebrews 12 and 15 declares that bitterness will defile. Everybody say many. When we become bitter, we have no difficulty discussing the hurt that has caused the bitterness. Doesn't take long to find out if someone is bitter when you get around them, if it's the first thing they talk about. They talk about the hurts of the past. They talk about who hurt them. They talk about all of the things that they have dealt with and carried in their life. It's caused bitterness. Many are defiled because we have not forgiven the hurt or the offense. The root of bitterness springs up. The Bible says it troubles us. We vent out of frustration through telling about our hurt and we defile those that hear us. I, I, I want to say this, be careful what comes out of your mouth, how you vent about what you're going through, what you've been through. Be careful because what you don't want to do is defile someone else. You, you don't want to defile someone or what I would call poison someone else because of the hurt that you've experienced. Hallelujah. So, when you look at the four progressions or the four steps of bitterness, hurts. Hurt is a mental suffering or emotional distress. The meaning of hurt is mental suffering or emotional distress. It's when someone hurts us, we suffer in our mind over the hurt. It's in our mind. And if you're following in the syllabus, Hurt does not involve our will. Now think about that. No one makes the choice to be hurt. You don't wake up on a Wednesday morning and say, you know what, today I think I'm going to get hurt. Nobody gets hurt in and of their own will. We are not hurt because we want to or desire to be hurt. So what are the source or the sources of hurts. The sure way to never be hurt. Are you ready for this? Is to never love. Or never be loved. Anytime you open up yourself to love. You tend to open yourself up to get hurt. It's, 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 part of the, it's part of the game. Part of the process. Whatever you want to call it. Because in any relationship where you open yourself up. To love. You open yourself up to get hurt. Why? Because when expectations are not met, you get hurt. Well, I expected them to do this, but they did this. When expectations and reality collide, you get hurt. You, did, you didn't intend for it to happen, but it happens. In relationships, in marriage, in family, in church, in work, you name it. Relationships are built on love and trust. Therefore, you become vulnerable to hurts. It is better to love and have been hurt 
than to have never known the joy of love. I don't want to live all my life. I don't want to live my I, I can't love that person. Why? Because I'm scared they're going to hurt me. That's a, boring, that's a pretty boring life. And, and that's a, a life less fulfilled than what God has for us. We open ourselves up and we love. And as a result, there is the potential to get hurt. Somebody say amen. So what, what are the types of hurts? As I begin to look at this subject, there are different types of hurts. The first type of hurt is an imagined hurt. Imagined. Many of the hurts we experience are imagined offenses. We become offended over something that never happened or we imagined that it happened. I just didn't like the way they looked at me. I walked into the church and they didn't even shake my hand. I've been going to that. I've been sitting on one side of the building and nobody's even come over and shook my hand. I, I, imagine. That, that, Pastor walked right by me and not, didn't even speak to him. He must be mad at me. Imagine. I, that, that person really don't like me. I don't think they really like me. Imagine. And we live our life like this and we stay hurt all the time. And it's all from our imagination. I want to say, you know what? Uh, you're really not, now I better not say that. You're really not that important for us to just, we're just going to intentionally hurt you. Nobody, I said it earlier, nobody intentionally, you've got to be a pretty messed up person if you want to intentionally hurt somebody. Nobody wakes up and says, I can't wait to get to church to hurt them. Come on now. But the enemy will raise its ugly head and put imaginations in. Nobody loves me. Ain't nobody called me this week. Imagination. We get hurt. We get offended. I don't think I belong at that church. They don't even love me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You belong here. That's a trap of the enemy. Well, I don't do what I used to do. I'm not as active as I... Don't let your imagination get you in trouble. Because your imagination will cause you to think thoughts. And I, I've seen people let their imagination get so out of control. They become miserable with who they are. They, they don't even like who they've become. Because they've let their hurts get into, get into such a turmoil. That our hurts are imagined. And it's caused such a dysfunction that we're not productive anymore. Number two. Real hurts. There are real hurts. Some of these come to us because people intended to say or do what they did. However, some are unintentional and happen by accident. Most Christians would be very sorry if they knew they had hurt another brother or sister. If you really knew, I, man, I didn't even realize what I said offended you. I am so sorry. But I've been walking around with these hurt feelings. I've been walking around with, for six months with all these hurt feelings in my spirit. I don't even know I've hurt you. Have you ever had an incident like that? I'm using examples. That we walk around, we're carrying loads that we shouldn't be carrying because we got hurt. And nine times out of ten, the other person don't even know they hurt you. They don't even know they hurt you. Some are intentional. 
if you're filling in the blank, some are intentional and some are unintentional. So what causes the causes of hurts? Everybody say words. Words often can be hurtful. Words. It's, it's not sometimes what you say, it's how you say it. Can I get a witness from some of you husbands and wives in this room? It's not what you say sometimes, it's how you say it. It's how you say it. So words can be hurtful. And then causes of hurts, everybody say offenses. Offended by someone's actions and words. I go back to say, you get offended because someone did something that you didn't expect them to do. Or they did something that you didn't expect them to do. So, number three, reactions to us. The way people react to what we do or say can cause hurts. There are a lot, we're a, everybody say we're a growing church. We're growing. There are people in our church from all levels and all backgrounds. Everybody ain't on the same playing field. Everybody don't look the same in this church. Can I get a witness? We're all growing. Say, I'm still growing. But if you see someone that it may not be exactly where you think they ought to be, your words could have a way of hurting them to the point to stunt their growth. For them not to go forward on in in the pursuit of righteousness, in the pursuit of growing in Christ. Don't forget that we were babes in Christ at one time. Don't forget where we come from. So be careful your react. You see someone in public, they do something. You man, I can't believe they did that. You see something on social media, pray for them. Pray for them. Because you don't know what they're struggling with. You don't know what, what hell they're going through that's causing a reaction. But oh, what, what good could be done by a lashing out of words? But what good could happen if... So, hey, you know what, tonight I'm going to pray for that family. When I, next time I see them, I'm going to encourage them and strengthen them up in the, in the Lord with my prayers. And you know what? We could prevent somebody from getting hurt. You believe that, say amen. Causes of hurts is number four is circumstances. Some of the circumstances in life can hurt very much. There are circumstances in all of our lives that we have no control over. Some of you have went through bitter situations. Things that were out of your control. You've been hurt. People have said things. People have done things. They're, they're, they're just good old-fashioned circumstances. But circumstances have a way of causing hurt in our life. But how we respond to these hurts will forecast into our future whether we become bitter or better. Because if, if the enemy can't get a hurt to get you, it, it's a progression. Hurts roll into anger. Anger, a feeling of indignation or hostility. An emotional reaction to hurt. How many have heard the old analogy? Don't mess with a wounded dog. Don't mess with no wounded dog. That dog that would love you, Brother Wendell, on any other day. If he's wounded, don't rush him. He's going to attack you. He's going to bite you. He, he, would, he was your, your best friend yesterday, but he's hurt. And so he lashes out in anger. 
When someone is hurt, always be careful because when you least expect it, they could have had a bad day. That scab of hurt may have been pulled off and an anger can come out of them. After we are hurt, then comes anger. Anger, and I know we don't want to hear this because it seems what I'm about to say is not true, but it is. Anger is a choice. We can choose to react to our hurts with anger or we can choose to overlook the incident. Sometimes when you feel that urge of anger, sometimes you just need to say, oh, time out. I just need to go be by myself for a minute. I'm hurt. And the natural response is anger. I just need to go right around the block. I just need to clear my head. Anybody ever had to do that before? Okay. But anger is the result of a low boiling point. When it does not take much to make you mad, this is dangerous and destructive. When you're just right on that edge. You're right... Don't you look at me. Don't you say another word. It's been a bad day. See, when we get to that, it's that low boiling point. It's it's putting the frog in the water and turning the heat up. That's kind of what what I'm talking about tonight. Anger can quickly destroy what took years for you to build. One moment of anger can destroy everything you've built up. Becoming angry and verbalizing our anger can destroy more in a matter of a few minutes than we can spend the rest of our lives in repair. It takes 11 positive statements to take away one negative statement. Be careful before you make a negative statement. Why don't we become... Why don't we become the most positive people? There's enough negative influences outside of these four walls. Why don't we be on the side that says, you know what? Today all of my statements are going to be as positive as I can. Hey, it's positive. The church is growing. But But with growth, change comes. But that's positive. Uh, With growth, uh, you know what? I may not have as much time with my friends as I used to have. I may not have as much time with the pastors I used to have. I may not have it. We're spreading the load of involvement. I may not do what I did last year. But you know what? I'm going to be positive about the unity that God is sending and the revival that's in this room. If you believe that, say amen. We've got to look at this. And we cannot let hurt come into and move into that realm of anger because anger, if we're we're careful and understand the subject, anger can be controllable. Well, I just have never seen their anger. They're so unruly, it's uncontrollable in their life. Anger can be controlled. We control anger by our will and intellect. You are smarter than the hurt. I'm going to say that again. You are smarter than whatever happened in your life. You are smarter than the abuse. You are smarter than the betrayal. You are smarter than the reject. You're smarter than that. And the reaction that you're going to have is going to be the smarter reaction to that hurt. Don't let yourself get out of control. 
By intellect are smart, we outsmart the anger. By your will, we choose not to get angry. Ask ask yourself this question. How angry am I going to get? Brother Sparks, how angry are you going to get? When I kill that big 12 point this year, no. Did you know rage is uncontrolled anger? Rage. You ever seen somebody in rage? It's been a long time, but I have. I don't ever want to see her that way again. Rage is uncontrolled anger. And when rage is uncontrolled, that's dangerous. I said that's dangerous. All jokes aside, it's dangerous. When we let our anger get to a point of rage, we lose our... It's almost like we move... It's an out-of-body experience. Rage is anger out of control. Full vent of anger without constraint. If you do not get your anger under control... Let me just say it like this. I've got a word from the Lord. And I'm telling you. If you are not happy with yourself, if you do not get happy with, I'm telling you in prayer, last night and again today, I've got a word from the Lord for somebody. Until you get happy with yourself, you're going to always be hurt. You're going to always be angry. There's going to always be, there's something just, There's something that flips in your spirit when you just get happy with who you are. No, I can't change what I've done in my past. I can't change the mistakes that I've done. I can't change the life that I now have. But you know what I am? I'm happy with who I am because I've been redeemed by the blood. I've been purchased by the, by the name of Jesus with His blood. I am who I am. Therefore, I will, not let, I will not let my hurts dictate to me how my responses will be. I will not let my anger be out of control. If I get happy with me, everything else is going to... But when I'm, unhappy with, when I'm unhappy with Pastor Britt, I'm going to find fault in you, Brother Jones. I'm going to find fault in you, Brother Cordova. I'm going to find fault in you, Brother, Brother Jonathan. I can't get my mind on my own self because I'm so worried about everybody else and what everybody else is doing. But when I get happy with myself, when I start loving myself, when I love myself, God can begin to work miracles in my life. God can begin to loose me from years of bitterness. I just got to get happy with myself. I got to get content. I can't be somebody else. I can't be you, Brother Jake. I, I, I can't be you, Brother Michael. I can only be me. But I spend all of my... Man, I wish I was them. I wish I had, I wish I had that title. I wish I had that job. I, I wish I was here. And, I wish, and I'm miserable. I can't even live for God. I can't even serve in the body of Christ because I'm so miserable. Why? Because I've got hurts that have been festering. I've got anger that I'm dealing with that's been unresolved. And let me just tell you, if you have unresolved anger, it will lead to resentment. Resentment follows anger. And it's almost like little dominoes that... Resentment is the prolonged effect of brooding over an offense. 
Resentment is often the after effects of anger. Once we are hurt, we become angry. We must, oh, help us, Jesus. Once we've been hurt, once we have been angry, we must now shift the blame for our actions to somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. I take no responsibility. It's somebody else's fault. Therefore, we often become resentful about the hurts and the offenses, and then we mistreat the individual that hurt or offended us. So, what does resentment involve? If you're following along, wishing ill will. Most of the time, ill will is not spoken of, but thought. When we desire that something bad would happen to someone else because we have been hurt, we are full of resentment. Suggesting that something bad happened to the individual you are angry with. There was this song I heard a long time. I'll pray for you. Well, I pray that your brakes go out going down the hill. I pray you doing it. It was all them prayers that we're praying that something bad happened to them. That's wishing ill will. That's resentment. Have you ever looked at somebody and you know what they're... You, my God, they, they've hurt me and they, they did all of this. And man, they're just going on with their life. God, man, look at what they're doing. Well, look at how they're achieving and look what they've accomplished. And they're sitting up here, my God, I'm to God. They... You know, the only loser in that, in that battle is you. You're over here. They're going on with their life and we're over here brooding over what they did to us 20 years ago. And God's trying to loose us from these things in the season of revival. I've come to uproot every root of bitterness out of your heart so you can become the child of God that He's designed. Life's too short to be bitter. I said life's too short to hold on. To... We're keeping score over here. All they've done wrong. We wish ill will and Man, we, we pray that something happens to them. What happened to the Scripture said, pray for those that despitefully use you. That ain't an easy prayer. I didn't say it was easy. Pray for your enemies. Come on. B, the letter B is brooding. And I, I looked at that for a few moments and I said, you can tell the extent of an individual's hurt and bitterness. By hearing them tell the story over and over. They go to great lengths to make sure you get the details of the... Can you believe they said... Can you believe they, they, they were here and they did this, 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 this. When you brood over something, you relive a bad experience. When someone can tell you every detail about an offense that may have happened some time ago, they are brooding. This becomes very dangerous and can cause great amounts of stress and frustration. I say this all the time, but you cannot unring a bell. There's nobody that can unring a bell. I said this many, many years ago. Don't cry over spilt milk if you still got the cow. 
As long as you got the cow, let's go get let's go get some let's go get some more milk. Let's don't talk about let's don't brood over what happened. Year, let, let's start afresh. Let's get back in the fight. Let's let's get going again. Hallelujah. C is emotion. So it's wishing ill will, brooding, or emotion, crying and overexcitement about the offense or hurt is a sign of resentment. We must choose to get over our hurts and go on with living. We're not promised tomorrow. I wish we were. But we're not promised tomorrow. But how would you like to know that you spent the rest of your life in an emotional basket case over what happened? X amount of years ago. How would you like to know? I wasted the one life that God gave me. Talking about a man who did me wrong. Talking about a woman who left me. Talking about this. Or talking about a boss. Or talking about a job. Talking about a missed opportunity. And we live our life and it, it constantly drives us. and It keeps us an emotional a disaster. And we cannot be productive in our present life because we're reliving our former life. Emotional involvement in an offense and a hurt will lead to bitterness. You cannot help the offense, but you can control the reaction. Some of the wisest counsel, brother, my pastor when I was growing up, Reverend A.M. Mansfield said, son, you always remember it's not what happens to you that matters. It's how you respond. If you'll always remember, it's not what happens. It's not what they did to you. But how did you respond? Come on, Joseph. Where are you at tonight? Where are you at, Joseph? They sold you out to slavery. They lied. They betrayed you. They... Well, you know what? I'm just going to remember a dream. I know where I'm going to end up. I, I forgot the dreams that the Lord gave me because Joseph kept his spirit right when he could have got bitter. He kept his spirit right when he could have got bitter. When he was sitting in jail and was, when he was lied on by Potiphar's wife. When he was sitting in jail being forgotten about, interpreting dreams, doing the work of God. But nobody was recognizing him. But he just kept, Lord, keep my spirit right. That was his prayer. Lord, I, I can't get defiled by this. I cannot overreact in this. You're in control. If we would wake up to understand God's still in control we would change our reactions and we would start responding in a way that would thrust us forward and not backwards and lead to bitterness. D, intellect and will. Again, the will and intellect are involved in resentment as they are in anger. We must outsmart the resentment to be an overcomer. And not be the one of the overcome. Choose not to be resentful about the hurt. Forgive. Somebody say forgive. You must choose to not allow the offense to control you. You must control your actions. I make my mind up tonight on this Wednesday night Bible study. I decide tonight not to be bothered by this offense anymore. It has to be an act 
Number three, it has to be an act of your will. You have to choose to let it go. I got to let it go. Brother Guzman, I got to let it go. I can't fix it. I've got to let it go and I've got to move into my tomorrow. I've got to move into my God-ordained future. I cannot hold on to this and move forward. If resentment is allowed to live, it will cause bitterness. I said if resentment is allowed to live, it will cause bitterness. Moving to our last point. Bitterness. Bitterness is an attitude characterized by deep loathing and hatred, bad blood, or malice. Full-blown bitterness is an attitude of hatred, reliving a bad experience, malice, and so forth. I have tried my best over 13 years. If I'm having a bad day, I can't say my wife doesn't know it, but I try to protect the body. And normally, there's a lot of days she don't even know, or she says, there's something going on, something wrong with you. But many churches causes their church to be bitter because of something bad that happened to them somewhere in their past. I, I make a pledge to you, church. I make a pledge to keep this pulpit bitter free. Because if bitterness flows out of me into you, you become defiled. You become infected. Bitterness is the worst staph infection that exists. Staph infection is one of the most highly contagious diseases there is. And I'm not talking about the staff of the physical, but S-T-A-F-F, staff infection, that happens when leaders and people get bitter and it spreads to another leader and it spreads to another leader and it spreads to another. And disunity comes in a body and the revival that God purposed for a church, the revival God destined for a church, it begins to dwindle away because one after another, got bitter. We cannot have bitter saints in the church. We've got to have joyful, Holy Ghost-filled saints of the Most High God projecting the love of God, the mercy of God, the patience of God, and understanding that we are in this together. We're in one body together. We've been put in the body members in particular. So we can't get bitter at one another. We can't get hurt or resentful. We, we can't do that. We can't get angry. We must be very careful because bitterness is so destructive. No person can... Oh, God, help me. Nobody can get bitter and keep it to themselves, Brother Paul. You can't get bitter and keep it to yourself. Can you believe what they're doing? Can you believe? I can't believe she's doing this. I can't believe. You can't keep it to yourself. When you get bitter, you're going to tell somebody. And bitterness is the absence of forgiveness. Bitterness is the absence of forgiveness. 
Bitterness involves your will. I said bitterness involves your will. Hurts doesn't, but bitterness does. As with anger, resentment, and brooding, bitterness involves the will. We choose to allow ourselves to become bitter. If we, we, if we can choose to be bitter, then we can choose not to be bitter. Because you choose not to forgive the offense or the hurt. When you choose not to forgive, you are making a pathway to bitterness. Even if the individual has not asked for forgiveness, it is in your best interest to forgive anyway. Well, they never asked me to forgive them. Forgive them anyway. You take them off of your hook and you put them on God's hook. You get it out of your spirit. God, I forgive them. They may never come and ask for forgiveness, but I'm forgiving them because I don't want anything in me. I don't want anything in me that's going to that's going to keep me from the presence of God, from, the, from the, the blessings of God. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with this church. We've just got to be, we've got to be quick to forgive, but if they never come, Brother Paul, I forgive them. They may never make things right. That's between them and God. But I've got to stand before my Creator, my Maker, and my Savior one day, and I've got to be able to stand before Him and him not find anything in me that I've held on to. A man once came to apologize to a pastor for leaving the church. When he met with the pastor, he asked to be forgiven for his actions. The pastor told the man that he had forgiven him several years ago when the incident occurred. The pastor's statement confused the man and he said, I never asked for forgiveness until now. The pastor replied, that is what the, past, the pastor replied, that it was important for him to forgive him even if he never asked. Kind of sounds like Jesus. And while we were yet sinners, He died for us. Before we ever asked for forgiveness, He died for us. <laughs> oh, Oh, God, help us tonight. I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost. Bitter people are implacable. I-M-P-L-A-C-A-B-L-E, if you're writing that down, implacable. When dealing with a bitter person, it is hard to reason with them. You ever talk to somebody and you just couldn't get through to them? They were, so full, they were so full of venom and so full of bitterness, you couldn't reason with them. Nothing you say can convince them to forgive that person. And here's the fact. You cannot appease a bitter person. They are unreasonable and their minds are made up. Anytime, this one little story just gripped my heart this afternoon. Anytime you hold someone hostage, you are a prisoner yourself. A bank robber cannot hold hostages in a bank without being a hostage himself. Only when we release them can we, can we be free from the place where we are holding them. Well, I'm going to hold them hostage in here. Really? You're the one held hostage. That bank robber goes down to Regions tomorrow 
and, and, and robs the bank and he's holding hostages. He don't realize it, but he's a hostage himself. The same way when we hold on and we let bitterness spring up into our heart. We're holding someone hostage and we're a hostage ourselves. So what are the symptoms of bitterness? What I'm about to say are just some symptoms. And all of these may not apply to every situation. But number one is, <laughs> you're insane. Your reasoning is not clear or right. Number two, you're blind. All they can see is the offense or the bad. I've learned this a lot about people. Did you know that in, in every what we call bad person, there's a lot of good? I can take you down to the jail tonight and there's a lot of men down there and a lot of women down there that made a lot of bad mistakes. But in every one of them, there's some good. They just made poor choices. But when we only focus on someone's bad side, when we only focus on the offense, we're blind. We're blind to see. When you're so bitter, you cannot see the mercy of God. They're not the same person as they used to be. They don't conduct themselves the way they... They're a new creature in Christ, but I'm so blind I cannot see them outside of what they have done. You're bitter. Number three is you want revenge. You want revenge at any cost. But I read in the Scripture, vengeance belongs to God. Doesn't belong to us. You'll never get even with anybody who's done you wrong. You'll never get even with them. You'll never. When you think you are, you're not satisfied. I, I want more. I, 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 we're never satisfied. Symptoms. Bitterness is much like cancer. It eats away at the person. Little by little. I've seen this. I know we're all adults in this room. But bitterness, number five, leads to sexual sins. Bitterness and fornication are placed in the same context of the Scripture. Bitterness that is allowed to grow will lead to sexual sin on the part of the bitter person. I've seen it. It's real. Guard yourself. Number six, irreverence. I see this. I see this growing. I see this growing probably in 2022. I've seen it over 13 years, Brother Paul being a minister. Uh, when someone is bitter, they're irreverent. Bitter people do not respect the opinion of counsel of their leaders. They are irrelevant. And will not listen. And I'm going to say something very, very touchy. Not really touchy, but this is the best way I know how to explain it. There are a lot of people in this church that you came from different churches. And you were hurt by leadership. But if you walk into this church, and I say this with all, all respect, if you walk into this church thinking, If you have not handled the feelings of previous leadership or previous hurts, 
when a time of correction comes, when a time of correction and pastoring comes, you're going to get offended at me too. And you will reject the counsel of love. Because what I see many times is, we come out of one environment that swung so far to the right. And we come into an environment like what we have and what we have created of balance and of love and of mercy and of grace. And instead of settling here in relationship with love, we swing through that over here and we go buck wild crazy. I'm just saying that is the best way I know. We go crazy. There's no restraint to the flesh. There's no restraint to what we... And we feed our flesh. And when correction comes, we get irreverent and we, we go back. Well, the last pastor hurt me too. And the pastor that you or the church you used to go to, now we're viewing it, we're viewing this place with the same irreverence. Because in actuality, it's really not me and it's not the church. We're dealing with past bitterness that we never dealt with. And we roll it into a new church, new friends, but I never really did, I never let it go. I just, that's, that's like, I'll probably use somebody's name in here. But it's like Jack and Jill. They get divorced. Jack marries Mary. And Jill marries Jim. But if they hadn't settled all the junk that they've been through, that marriage ain't going to be no different than the previous marriage because they're still harboring all those bitter feelings on the inside of them. And yet you're going home with somebody else every you're laying with somebody, but, but in your mind, well, they did that to me too. She did that to me too. And we're dealing with, with results of bitterness that has not been dealt with. It flows into the home. It, flows, it goes further than the church. It goes into your home. It goes into your workplace. You leave one job because that boss was mean. You go to the next. That boss is going to be mean too. Sooner or later... You've got to pull up to the old mirror and say, you know what, the man in the mirror is the one I need to deal with today. The man in the mirror is the only one that can change. What? I, I hate to say it like this. I can't change you. I can preach the Word. I can do what I'm... But I can't change you. Some things can only be changed by you and by God. But if you get serious enough about it and you say, God, I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to let this control me to a point that I'm miserable, that I'm unproductive, that the glory of God and the presence of God is not flowing in me and through me. Because what you're doing is you're making your wife miserable, you're making your husband miserable because you're still holding on to stuff that happened years ago. But let me take it a further. You're destroying the next generation. You're putting a, the D in dysfunction. The capital D. And we, we wonder why, my Lord, our church is dysfunctional and our families are dysfunctional. Could it be that we just need to take a fresh look into the window? Say, God, it's me standing in the need of prayer. I don't want to be irreverent to somebody who is trying to counsel me and lead me in the path of righteousness. And I'm not minimizing, please, I'm not minimizing abuse. I'm not minimizing 
pastors and churches that you legitimately have been hurt. I'm please understand the motive of my heart. There are true church hurts. There are true things that happen. But there is a thing called forgiveness that releases you from that. That releases you from that. That when you hear sound doctrine and you hear instruction and you see love and grace and demonstration, you open your heart up and say, this is true and undefiled religion. This is the true love of God. This is not, this is not some you know, twisted cult. This is the true love of God. I'm going to move forward. Bitterness spreads, number seven, and defiles. Bitterness does not abide alone. It spreads and defiles many, and I've already said that. I always like lessons that God puts into me. I don't like a diagnosis without a cure. The cure for bitterness. If you find yourself having feelings of bitterness, I've got a prescription to rid yourself of those, this destructive behavior. We find that many people who, have bitter, who are bitter over things that happened to them years ago, maybe even as a child, I believe through these guidelines that I'm about to give you, you can set free yourself from this deadly trap and avoid bitterness. Number one, list your faults. Write down what you did to cause the problem. Number two, take your paper. Go to prayer and ask forgiveness. You know what this does? This will adjust your perspective. If you were asked, if someone were to ask you after you have vented the offense or vented the hurt, the anger, the resentment, if someone were to ask you, have you prayed about it? What could your answer honestly be? 99.9% of the time, prayer is absent when you're brooding an offense. Because how can you wish ill will to someone that you're praying for? How How can you pray for someone you wish would get hit in a car wreck? How can you pray for someone that you wish would unfortunately be diagnosed with some incurable disease? How can you pray for someone Number three, list. Number one was list your faults. What you did to cause a problem. Well, I didn't do nothing. Come on, get real. There's always going to be some things you could have done better. But number three, list the offenses. Write down what was done against you. If you will write down what has been done against you, And you take that list to prayer. And here's what you don't want to hear. Our flesh doesn't want to hear it. Let me just say it like that. Take that list to prayer and forgive the offenses. It's an act of the will. Make yourself forgive. Well, you don't know what they've done. I know. I don't. You don't know what they said. I know I don't. 
Do you remember what they did to Jesus? Do you remember what they did to him? Do you remember they, they beat him? They spit in his face. They took his robe off and they, they gambled for that robe and he was left there barren and naked and mocked and eventually crucified. And he would utter the words that we hang on to. Forgive them. But they know not. They don't know what they're doing. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? They know what a sword to do. They know what a spear will do. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. If we will take a list of prayer and forgive the offenses. Make yourself forgive him. Make yourself forgive her. Make yourself forgive them. Number five, ask the person to forgive you for holding feelings of bitterness against them. I put this in here. If necessary, write a letter of an apology and dispose of the matter. Let it go. Your hurts are to help you be a better person. And they are from God. You mean they're from God? Yeah. If the hurts that we've experienced in our life makes us a better person, we need to accept it. God, you sent it to me. You sent this to my heart. You knew where I would be. You knew how I would respond. Today, I'm a better person because of my hurt. I quickly come to a close. Man is will, intellect, and emotion. Man has a will and is able to think for himself and has emotions. We must keep these in the right position. We, when we become unbalanced, we will have a tremendous problem. Your will needs to be at the wheel. Your intellect, the co-pilot, and your emotions in the back seat. I'm going to say that again. Your will needs to be at the wheel. Your intellect, the co-pilot, and your emotions in the back seat. If you do what is right, your emotions will come around. You cannot and will not live for God being driven by your emotions. Because your emotions are like this. You're up one day, down the next. Up one day. This comes. If we're driven by emotions, you're going to be a miserable individual. I close. Things to remember. Stand to your feet. Things to remember. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Some things are just better forgiven. Don't hang on to that. Just let it go. Some things are better forgiven. Number two. Bitterness is a killer. It'll kill you. It'll kill your spiritual vitality. It will kill relationships. It will kill things that you 
You don't realize right now, but bitterness will dissolve things around you and you'll wonder, why am I on an island all by myself? Why, am I, why does nobody want to be around me? Why does nobody want to talk to me? Why, why? Bitterness is a killer. Number three, above all else, I must be saved. I can't be bitter and be saved. I'll say it like this. You can be bitter and be saved, but you can't be both. You can't be both. Everybody will get their chance to be bitter. Live long enough. You live long enough, you're going to get, a, you're going to get your chance, Brother Edwin, to become bitter. Because I can promise you in a church this size and, and where we're going, there's somebody going to say something or do something. There's going to be a decision I make as a pastor. There's going to be a decision a leader. There's going to be something you see. There's going to be something you witness. You're going to have a choice. Remember me now on this Wednesday night. You will have a choice and a chance to become better. Things come your way to make you better not bitter. Could we just do this for me right now? I carry such a heavy, carrying a heaviness into this place tonight. I told our, I told our leadership in our meeting before church, there's a paradigm shift going on right now. There's a paradigm shift going on. When we did the, when we did the, we looked over all of those that call this their church home. Those that attend this building at least once a month. And if we did not miss anybody, 232 people call this home. That doesn't account the 50 plus fringe that come outside of that 30 day window. We are around a church of about 275 right now. And in a church of 275 people, 232 Every 30 days, they're going to be here at least one Sunday. There's a multitude of personalities. There's a multitude of opinions. There's a multitude of ideas. There's a multitude of, of choices that are made each week. And you know what? We all have the chance to get bitter. But when you have a paradigm shift, it's a shift in thinking. It's an alignment into the way the Spirit is leading and guiding us. You will embrace. We hadn't walked this way before. We're going to walk this way now. We're walking in truth. And we're walking in love. And we're walking in forgiveness. We're walking in mercy. I want to ask you this week. I want you to pray for a paradigm shift. That maybe there's a bitterness that's still hanging in, in the emotional realm of your life. God help you to have a shift, a, parad a realignment in your thinking. So that you can move forward into the future, in your home, in your marriage, with your children, on your job, in your career. We will move forward together as we shift our perspective. And we will embrace the moment that God has given us. Would you lift your hands all over this place? Father, in the name of Jesus.